Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. For centuries, there was one primary saint that Mexicans turned to for protection, the Virgin of Guadalupe. Then, beginning in the 1990s, the popularity of a new saint began to take hold, the skeletal Santa Muerte, or Saint Death. The Catholic Virgin of Guadalupe overlapped with an ancient Aztec goddess in ways that blurred the boundary between Christianity and paganism. Similarly, Santa Muerte emerged as a liminal and uncertain figure on the edges of Mexican spirituality. Some believers regarded her as a kind of archangel. Others saw her as more like an actual saint who had once been human. Some saw her as an agent of God, protecting the good, others as an amoral supernatural figure capable of aiding criminals. Today on Occult Confessions, we delve into the mystery of Mexico's pagan saints. My name is Dr. Robert C. Thompson, joined this day by Savannah Verrett, sister of the 84th degree. Hello. And we have a special guest today, uh, Alan, uh, Alan Ibanez Gallegos. Yeah. yeah, you got it, you got it. <laughs> Alan has permission to interrupt me and repronounce anything that I say, and that's okay. <laughs> I'll do it. Uh, Alan, uh, where, where were you, where's your family from? Where were you born? Uh, I was born in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, mm -hmm. uh, right across from El Paso, Texas. Uh, but my family is from different parts of Mexico. Uh, my dad is from Veracruz, um, Orizaba, so it's like a beach town, and my mom is like more towards the central mexico uh it's cool because like both of them have like great like stories like like folklore urban legends that they know that they've been passed down from generations and and um and it's cool to compare how like different they are from like one state all right so alan what, what's your take on pagan saints Do you have any pagan saints in your family um yeah i mean like uh in in mexico and i guess in all like countries that like practice catholicism christianism there's like a saint for every day the, the of the uh, of the year and and when you're born i guess you get assigned one mm -hmm. i personally don't know mine i'm not super into <laughs> catholicism you forgot your saint yeah i mean I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty much who was your saint savannah i definitely do not have one <laughs> when you were born they took your saint away they assigned yeah. her a demon <laughs> Pazuzu, or I don't know, someone name another one. Uh, how about Santa Muerte, Alan? You have any uh, personal experiences with Santa Muerte? Uh, I mean, personally, no, but I know my dad um, has had visions with, with 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 a figure that is very reminiscent of La Santa Muerte. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, he had a really bad stomach ulcer, and he spent a few days uh in the um in the hospital and he thought he was gonna die and in one of his dreams he was walking down the street and there was a a shadowy figure uh clearly a woman with like a dark cloak and she was asking him to come to him to come to her mm -hmm. uh and my dad was like not today it's not <laughs> happening <laughs> Uh, and my dad Try again later. <laughs> he's very strong he's got a very strong mentality and 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 he 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 was adamant that he wanted to still like 
stay alive so he didn't oh so he identified her as death itself yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so Whoa. he didn't Not today, death yes. that's amazing but death was a woman yeah that was club. a woman yeah yeah it was that's a woman and uh and yeah he didn't he he didn't follow her and uh he told me that like he was like fighting it like like, like his body was like mm. shaking and all that Whoa. um that's interesting uh but uh he made it out uh he's a lot healthier now i think he looks healthier than he did back then um hmm. better diet and all that uh and 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 my, my dad has always been like a little skeptical he's he's very agnostic uh he grew up in a catholic household yeah uh, but he doesn't really like practice religion he thinks that people that practice it are like a joke and all that <laughs> but he thought this vision was genuine yeah he thought yeah. this vision was genuine and he doesn't talk about it much he he told that to me like only once and like he's never talked about it again and i don't know wow. how many people he's told that story to but like, it's a very compelling story and well, now yeah, everybody knows <laughs> now everyone knows i'm sorry that if you're listening to this i am so sorry i am airing out now the confessors <laughs> know <laughs> oh, i'm right. sure he'll be fine <laughs> speaking of the confessor savannah let's pledge it out we, the members of the, of the secret, secret order of, of alchemical actors, do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. And we do it on behalf of Alan. Amen. Yes. <laughs> That's not necessary, Catholic. We, we are part of a cult. You welcome. Yeah, welcome. He's a, he's like a you know on, on Visitors Day. He's coming in. <laughs> try the punch. See how it is. Who's <laughs> flavored? <laughs> Make some sounds, Savannah, to open up that order of confessors. Bing bong boom. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, uh, we're we're heading toward our summer break, uh, which means that I pre-record a lot of stuff. We do have a couple people who snuck in before we started summer break. That is Tom P, my buddy Tom P, who I uh, communicate with regularly on the Instagram. What's up, Tom? And uh, Jen D, uh, who I think is a Discord friend of ours. Welcome, Jen. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think she goes by Jenny in the Discord. Now officially patrons. Unless that's different, Jen. Feel free to straighten us out. There are a lot of Jens in the world, yes. I understand. Ella the Enchantress left us a review. 10 of 10 would recommend on Podchaser. Thank you, Ella the Enchantress. And uh, that's all I got today because, again, we're headed towards summer break. So I'm booking it along here. We're recording multiple episodes in a week so that we can take a little holiday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. Close this up. Bing. Bing, bing. <laughs> I thought you were going to try to do it backwards, but you I, forgot what you I did, right? I was going to do it backwards, and I started with the first one. Let's start with the Virgin or Virgen. Yes. Virgen, yeah, Virgen. Of Guadalupe. Virgen de Guadalupe, yeah. All right. December 19, uh, 1531. 1531. This is a long time ago. Juan Diego, uh, Chichimec. Yeah. Chichimec. All right. Peasant. Now, Alan did warn me before that he was not going to, Aztec gods, he was going <laughs> to shy away from. Yeah, I, I, have, I have trouble uh, pronouncing the, the Aztec uh, We only have gods. one of those, yeah, though, yeah. so you'll be all right. All right. All right. So Chichimec Peasant saw four visions of the Virgin Mary. She, the Virgin that is, requested that he build a shrine. Juan Diego asked the bishop, Don Juan de Zumaraga, yeah, to build a shrine, uh, but the bishop was too busy, and he said, come back another time, sir, like your dad <laughs> with death. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Juan Diego went back to Mary uh, and suggested that she find someone else more important to help, because he clearly was not able to move the bishop, but she said no. 
He was the one to do it. Juan Diego brought out-of-season roses to the bishop at the Virgin's request, and while unfolding them from his outer garment revealed the image of the Virgin of Guadalupe on the garment itself. This was the sign the bishop had been waiting for to begin building a shrine. You know this story, Alan? Vaguely, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, but in the context that I read it was how uh, the Spaniards uh, created this myth in mm. order to get uh, the, the the indigenous people to believe in their religion and and since it, like I, it wasn't working until they like, mixed uh some of that um the the, the aztec mexica yeah. uh, paganism with christianity and, and then it kind of like worked then they were able to convert a lot of people into get to that aztec goddess yeah, yeah. yeah, mm. yeah. Well, we're gonna get to that in a sec News of apparitions that had appeared to the apparitions that had appeared to Juan Diego and the miracle of the Virgin's visage, 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 on his outer garments—not a Spanish word, uh, kind of a French word. It's more my area. Swayed local Indians to belief, and a tradition of pilgrimage to the shrine was born. As Alan's saying, indigenous people said, "Ah, okay, so there's a shrine here, and you guys are just putting your thing there, but we were already going, so now there's going to be a tradition of visiting." Virgin of Guadalupe refers to the image of the Virgin Mary celebrated at Villahuercas Monastery in Guadalupe, Spain. This original virgin appeared to a shepherd to help him discover the holy relic of a wooden statue of the Virgin, said to have been carved by Luke the Evangelist, buried at the site where the monastery would later be built. The Virgin of Guadalupe is one of three black Madonnas in Spain, giving her a syncretic character, so literally pictured as black rather than white. The site of her monastery in Spain was also in the midst of the Spanish Moors and served as an outreach to non-Christians. So remember, Spain was occupied by the Muslims, uh, largely African Muslims, so they used the black Madonna as a way to get Spanish people over in Europe, right, to convert. So a similar thing is happening in Mexico. In 1340, when King Alphonse XI attributed success in battle over the Moors to the Virgin of Guadalupe, so she also, the Black Mary, also helped helped him beat the, the Muslims, uh, a massive monastery was built, and this led to a popular movement of devotion and worship for the Spanish Virgin of Guadalupe. This is 1340. It's about 100 years before the Mexican Virgin of Guadalupe. Mm -hmm. Apparitions of the Virgin followed a scenario. A poor or disenfranchised person saw the Virgin, and she comforted him in his task to bring news of her appearance to the religious authorities who would resist but ultimately relent when a miracle is produced. So this is a sort of a legend that repeats itself in many different mm. guises. These apparitions were common in the old world and were brought to the new world to help shift the devotions of the Aztecs, as Alan pointed out. The Virgin comforts the conquered and converts them. It's okay, you guys, <laughs> says the virgin. <laughs> Come hang out with me. The hill of Tepeyac. Does that sound familiar, Alan? No. <laughs> it's, it's where the Mexican virgin of Guadalupe Shrine would be built. Uh, was already the site of worship of, as Alan's mentioning, the Aztec god goddess, and I won't make you pronounce this, Tonantzin. Does that sound right? Tonantzin? Yeah, all right, all right. The Earth Mother Goddess, associated with fertility. One of those fertility goddesses. My daughter, we have a, a book of goddesses that we read every night because, oh, you know, <laughs> occult confessions. <laughs> That's uh, cool. And not every night, but most nights. I feel bad when I don't read her a goddess, and she's always like, do we have to do it? Anyway, uh, but a lot of them are fertility goddesses, and Tonantzin is not in the mix, but she should be. 
The Spanish worried that the pilgrimage, like many other syncretic practices, was masking Aztec religious practices with a Christian guise that permitted the Aztecs to maintain their gods. So counter, so we're thinking about this from the Christian perspective, that the Christians are trying to appropriate the god. But, you know, the counterpoint to that is that these Aztec people are actually maintaining their god and fooling the Christians with their guns, who are like, you know, worship our Mm. god, by continuing to worship Tonantzin, albeit Mm -hmm. by visiting the Virgin's shrine. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, natives tended to treat the Virgin in the same way that they had Tonantzin. They requested miracles uh, here in this life rather than as signs of an eventual reward of the afterlife. So, if you're a good Catholic, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see how Alan knows his Catholicism. If you're a good Catholic, you're not supposed to ask for God to give you a Cadillac. But if you do ask for a Cadillac, it's only so that God can prove himself and you can go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely know of a lot of people who like go through hardships and they like they buy a statue of of La Virgen de Guadalupe and, and they hold prayers. Um, actually, um, not long ago, uh, a friend passed away uh, of of COVID and oh, um, sorry to hear. And they 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 held a like like a prayer thing and and they were worshiping la virgen de guadalupe and mm. in, in, in his honor and they were asking you know to to, to take him to, to have him and, and all that and and uh, i don't know I'd, I'd, yeah it's a, it was a little uh like emotional and all that you know celebrating his life but like mm. still like worshiping you know like mm-hmm. their, their, their their saints so there's kind of an overlap there's both afterlife components to it and yeah. this life components mm-hmm. health and that sort of thing definitely yeah definitely mostly soul. mostly with health uh i think people ask ask for miracles for from from la virgen de guadalupe okay While the uh, virgin of guadalupe has been mexico's patron saint for centuries she has recently encountered a rival for popularity, particularly among Mexico's poorest citizens, Santa Muerte. She appears as an expressionless skeleton in a feminine robe, or with red eyes and an angry expression in her more metal incarnation. <laughs> That's my <laughs> my characters. There's metal Santa Muerte, and there's regular Santa Muerte. She's got red eyes. Uh, so she's become a central focus of cults. So across not the literally country. metal. No, no, like, no, no. I mean, like, <laughs> like you know, like so hardcore. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I, <laughs> like Metallica, Led oh, Zeppelin kind of. Yes. Yeah. So she's, so she's a skeleton, expressionless, and then she's a skeleton, expressionless, but red with eyes. red eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I guess you could see like the the vanilla version has like the like the virgin like the Guadalupe is like clo- like robe and all that yeah, like yeah, very yeah. colorful, and the other one is just like monotone colors like either just like white and blue or like all black or all huh. gray and okay. a- kind of angry yeah. she's a different face so not expressionless oh, a little bit angrier. Gotcha. Uh, she has become a central focus of cults across the country and appealed especially to mexicans who have run afoul of the law or the drug cartels in their midst or uh, so of the drug cartels so either you run afoul of the law or you run afoul of the drug cartels and this is what is driving people in part to invoke santa muerte hmm. all right so let's get into santa muerte she has her origins in two figures, La Catrina and La Santissima Muerte. Yeah. Her recent incarnation as a saint, invoked via a three-dimensional statue that people make offerings to, uh, surfaced in the 1990s. So that's when we first thought, first starting seeing these figures. Alan was mentioning Virgin of Guadalupe, but mm-hmm. Santa Muerte in the 90s. 
started to be these little figurines when Alan was just a little Alan. <laughs> right? Uh, I was wearing 95. So, so yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a, 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 little, out. a little wheel ad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so in the nineties, Mexico city resident Doña Keita displayed a life-size statue of Santa Muerte in the street in front of her house. It had been purchased by her son who had prayed to Santa Muerte while in jail, uh, and believed that he had received protection from Santa Muerte in jail. Hmm. So he came back and told mom this statue. So she's, then she set up a big statue that people could see. Mm-hmm. Oh, in her house anyway. Uh, it quickly became a shrine and a pilgrimage destination, and both Protestant and Catholic authorities rushed to condemn it as devil worship uh, in the case of Protestants and idolatry in the case of the Catholics. So it was sort of like on the street, right? Did I say that? It was it was in front of her house. It wasn't mm-hmm. in her house. You could like see it. Okay. It's like if you took your Christmas tree and said, nah, I'm going to do it on the lawn this year. Gotcha. That's, that's her Santa Muerte. Early references to Santa Muerte can be found in Spanish colonial records from the 1790s, actually. And some scholars tie her to... Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's so hard, but it, I think the closest one would be Mictan Chactuchli. Mictan Chactuchli. Yeah. Uh, this is the Aztec god of death. A skeletal figure in Tepitepec. Cool. Uh, in Hidalgo had been worshipped at San Bernardo and Santa Muerte dating to 1965. So there's a little bit of, like, dates in there. For most of the 20th century, and perhaps before, Santa Muerte was approached as a two-dimensional figure bridging the satanic and the divine. So I say three-dimensional, I mean you create a figurine. Two-dimensional is like a... A drawing? Yeah, yeah. Jose uh, Guadalupe Posada created his satirical image of La Catrina, or The Dandy, first published in 1894, and she looked an awful lot like the current representations of Santa Muerte. Skeletal face, flowing robes, covered head, this is all for comic effect, uh, political commentary. But Posada was best known for sketching Calaveras, satirical cartoons featuring skeletons that poked fun at social and political issues, as I'm saying. The dandy reflected vanity, specifically female vanity, which was mortal, just like regular folks who didn't have the luxury of being so vain. Out of all of Posada's thousands of calaveras, La Catrina is one of the few who has made a regular appearance at altars for the Dios de los Muertos. The Days of the Dead are, however, focused on humans who have died and not spirits like Santa Muerte. Right, Alan? Yeah. Yeah. You celebrate the death on, I think it's like November 2nd. But humans. Yeah, yeah, humans. humans. Yeah, 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 humans. Santa Muerte occupies a liminal or between space on this question. She is a spirit, but she's called a saint. And Catholic saints are meant to be people who actually lived on Earth at some time or another, although some are more legendary than historical. One story tells of how the woman who became Santa Muerte was a bride who was jilted at the altar and shriveled up and died from a broken heart right there in the church. Ow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. That's that's a weird Disney movie. Mm -hmm. Offerings made to Santa Muerte show that she also has a number of vices, including smoking, drinking tequila, chocolate, marijuana, and mariachi music, (laughs) which I don't think is a vice, is it? No. (laughs) It's leisureness, pleasure. She's pleasure, yeah. she's leisure music, yeah. <laughs> Why it has to be a vice? Not everything has to be a hymn. Anyhow. <laughs> she sort of reminds me of some centuria and uh, voodoo spirits in this way. Mm. She likes smoking and tequila. Oh. Baron Samdi likes, <laughs> likes to smoke. And, uh, 
this harkens back to the vain La Catrina, the Posada cartoon. Devotees also refer to their personal Santa Muerte statuettes using family terms like my child, my wife, my mother, or my sister. Despite how they humanize their statues, believers say there is only one death, and Santa Muerte is a symbol for death. Still, most devotees are quick to indicate that La Santa Muerte is not an actual saint, but a spirit, more like an angel. The statues of Santa Muerte earn their power through the devotion shown to them, such that her power, localized in a given statue, is a product of all the people imagining what she might do for them. So it's like a it's like an icon it's pulling in all these different powers okay the believers and what they ask of her is to basically prolong death basically or like to help shepherd to protect them to protect them like when they die and stuff too it's often like the prison the guy in prison Uh if you're in a precarious situation alan's sort of saying this for health for the uh, virgin of guadalupe but this is I, i guess in santa muerte's case it tends to be more like physical danger gotcha then you invoke santa muerte okay yeah like let's say if you you're uh putting yourself in like dangerous situations range activities like more often than not you'd want to pray to la santa muerte oh okay yeah interesting so the more popular statues are uh the more powerful they are uh and i'm i mean like specific statues so the original one on that street you can go and visit that's like the most powerful so the more people come and worship at your statue the more belief is invoked in your mm-hmm. statue, the more powerful the actual object becomes. Although the power itself is not physical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Santa Muerte statues do not contain the spirit until the spirit is awakened by breathing smoke onto her or spritzing her with Santa Muerte spray. <laughs> what? Santa what Muerte is that? spray. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like a like a scam. Some devotees cradle their statuette like a doll and put a cigar or cigarette in her mouth and then blow smoke over her. I Wait, do did you just br- did you just brush past what the spray is? That's just, what is you it? You just buy it. You buy a Santa Muerte spray. Could it be like holy water or something? Yeah, like that? yeah, yeah, sort of like that. Holy yeah, water. Yeah. So be. it's just okay. Yeah, but you could just do the smoke thing. That's <laughs> that's less of a scam, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're getting something out of it. Right, yeah. and, and you could just buy those anywhere. So. <laughs> In addition to skirting the line between human and saint and non-human spirit, uh, Santa Muerte also walks the boundary between divine and satanic. More than half a century ago, underground prayers called La Novena were used to invoke death to aid the devotee. Some of these prayers involve direct address to the devil or Lucifer. Today, the nine prayers of La Novena have made their way into the sunlight and are widely distributed but references to Lucifer have been omitted because Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine, Alan, people passing out prayers with Lucifer all over them? They'll be shrun away. (laughs) It'll be bad. It's not going to go over well. Still, a theological quandary persists. La Santa Muerte, Saint Death, has sometimes been called La Santissima Muerte, or Most Holy Death. Since she is not a member of the Trinity, this most holiness places her among supernatural beings capable of intervening in human affairs. But she's not God, and that means she must be of or associated with the devil. To get around this, many devotees regard her as an angel who acts only with God's permission as an agent of divine will. I thought everybody 
could only do stuff with God's permission. I knew you were going to say <laughs> that. <laughs> like, we talked about this in the Salem Witch Trials episode. Yeah, that God, technically the devil operates only with God's say-so, yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, uh, I think like La Santísima Muerte and La Santa Muerte, they, they're very associated too with, with Satanist cults. Uh, I think like the, the more devoted you are to Catholicism and you see La Santa Muerte, you'd be like, you're on Holly. Like, well, what are you mm. doing? Oh, okay. you know? like, like you're you're treading dangerous water by, by praying to to that thing they would Whoa. say you know um but then there's people who are less devoted to catholicism they're more spiritual and i think they're, they're more likely to not see la santa muerte as as like a demonic figure so very committed catholic would not no, I come don't think near so. no or your dad no. <laughs> probably not <laughs> i don't think they'd even dare mention or talk about it they like it's not canon in their world it's taboo yeah it's, yeah very taboo okay. The most prominent service to Santa Muerte is held by Doña Enriqueta in Mexico City. She's regarded as la madrina or godmother. Enriqueta regards the service as properly Catholic. She is able to officiate at the ritual as a non-priest because she is saying a rosary to Santa Muerte, which anyone can lead, right, Alan? Anybody can lead a rosary. Mm -hmm. A rosary generally focuses on events from the Bible, unfolding them through their association with the beads of a rosary necklace. See, so like, you know, and then Jesus walked over here and then he did this and he moved from bead to bead. During the holidays, you'd, you'd see a lot of people like meeting at different houses and go, they, they do rosarios, the rosaries. Mm -hmm. um, they, they have food afterwards and all that. Um, and I've, I've seen those happen here in Easton as well. Like, like friends, uh, like their parents, they, they would host uh, un rosario and invite people from their church over. It's the holidays, Easter time. Yeah. yeah, like Easter and then like like in December and all that. Too. Okay. Yeah. High holy days. <laughs> uh, let's see. Enriqueta's prayers focus on people who are mixed up in crime, addicted to drugs, or victims of police or criminal injustice. Getting us back to Santa Muerte's focus. Mm. She's particularly appealing to people in precarious situations, which lends to her... Uh, lends to her association with and appeal to people in the drug trade. According to anthropologist Laura Roosh, she offers a ritual suspension or socialization of fear. Believers ask of Santa Muerte, no me desampares. Yeah? Yeah. Like, don't let me, don't leave, don't leave me alone. No me desampares. Don't leave mm. me alone. Um, don't leave me without protection. Traditionally, Mexicans made this request of the Virgin of Guadalupe, as Alan's saying, but Santa Muerte now rivals the Virgin in popularity among certain groups, as Alan is also saying. Huh. Other groups are like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Which I'm sure adds to the appeal. Yeah. The yeah, and I think it's grown a lot in popularity over like the past two decades. Like, yeah. It's, you, you see more more statues of it, uh, more, more, more people like have shrines of her and and they 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 openly say they worship her i think in the past you said that you'd be like who are you <laughs> <laughs> all right let's do the narco saints alan i promised this before we started that we would get into some narco saints here we go and if you think i'm gonna get into any trouble <laughs> with the narcos <laughs> I, I i don't think so i hope not I, right. you know it's a saint why wouldn't like yeah, yeah we're just talking about yeah. him we're not saying yeah you're nay <laughs> 
The rise of Santa Muerte, as Doña Cata's own history bears out, took place mainly in the prisons among prisoners and is associated with the narcotics-related crime wave of the late 1980s and early 1990s, just before Alan was born. <laughs> Tangential but not unrelated to the rise of Santa Muerte was the publicization of the end of the Palomayombe-inspired crime gang led by Adolfo Constanzo and Sara Aldrete based in Matamoro Matamoros, a group that we actually have already covered in our Satanic Murder Cults episode. So check that out. <laughs> I thought that name sounded familiar when yeah, you said it. Yeah. She, they were like good community college students, or she was, uh, Aldretti was, the witch. Yeah. And, oh, and, God, and they yeah. they were murdering people over the border. You know, yep. Burying them. It was horrific. Santa Muerte herself appeared as a small statuette in pictures uh, of the Matamoros cult's compound. I didn't mention that back then because we hadn't done anything on Santa Muerte. And she wasn't uh, much observed or commented on in the vast coverage of the episode, though. Uh, so although she was there, she wasn't the focus of what they were doing because it was all Palo Mayombe. But Constanzo and Aldrete succeeded in blending drug crime and occultism, or esoterismo, yeah, uh, in a way that captured the public's imagination. New laws in Mexico allowed greater toleration for the establishment of new religious groups, which allowed for more storefront churches to pop up. This would have been in your childhood. Yeah. These storefront churches are starting to be a thing used to just be you'd have to go to the big catholic church right, now right. now they're like just an apartment there's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a church over here yeah. mexican catholic resistance to santa muerte was led by cardinal norberto uh, rivera who started a campaign to collect santa muertes <laughs> sort of like the you know we collect guns in the u.s <laughs> we try to get all the guns and melt them down that's what this, this guy was doing the cardinal like all the statues yeah he was her? trying to yeah, do oh a drive gosh. and Writing for the FBI's crime bulletin, scholar Robert J. Bunker argues that while most Santa Muerte worshippers are not associated with crime, there is a significant minority of worshippers who follow the fully criminalized variant of Santa Muerte worship. Santa Muerte is only one of a group of unsanctioned saints worshipped by drug cartels, including Jesus Malverde and Juan Soldado. Yeah, you know, Jesus Malverde. I, I know Jesus Malverde, yeah. not, not of the not second one. Yeah, yeah. Malverde is a folk hero of Sinaloa, whose historical existence is, a su is subject to doubt. We don't know if he existed, mm. uh, but he's legendary. His legend likely blends the stories of anti-government rebel uh, Herac Heracleo Bernal. Okay. Her Heracleo Bernal. Uh, and indigenous agitator Felipe Bacomo. After his parents died, either of starvation or of a curable disease that went untreated because of their poverty, Malverde became a kind of Robin Hood, with victims giving him the moniker Malverde or Evil Green. <laughs> Did you hear that? Malverde. Yeah, it's, Malverde. It's fun. Evil Green. Evil Green. Yeah, that's yeah. that's your next Marvel movie. Uh, <laughs> Evil Green. <laughs> it's the whole, like, he turned villainous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, for the colors association with bad luck in Sinaloa. Specifically in Sinaloa, right? Not all Mexicans think green is bad luck. And both of you guys no. are wearing green right now. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your hat is We're green. We're identifying more Irish today. <laughs> <laughs> Malverde died either as a result of having been betrayed by friends. Oh, I have green on too. Oh that's my God. three for three. <laughs> Whoa. Or was shot by local police and his body was left exposed to the elements in the public square as an example to other potential Robin Hoods. So that's it. That's the Malverde legend. The evil green legend. Juan Soldado, or Juan the Soldier, was a private in the Mexican army stationed in Tijuana 
He was accused of raping, killing, and beheading an eight-year-old girl, Olga Comacho Martinez. He was arrested and may or may not have confessed. A crowd attempted to seize him and set fire to the police station and city hall. He was turned over to the army, who court-martialed and shot him. Sort of a weird story for a yeah. saint. After his, Wait, yeah, well, what? Yeah, he did. Oh, that's, this is the saint. This is, this is the unsanctioned saint. But why? He was accused of this crime. Uh-huh. And a mob came. And he came. confessed. Uh, he, he was he arrested. <laughs> we don't know if he confessed. Oh, I thought you said that he confessed. People who believe in him, I think, would say he didn't confess. He didn't do it. He was unfairly Oh. Accused. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. okay. I uh, thought it was like a fact that he did all of this. And I was like, Hold, what? A, what? Hold on a second. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing that Catholics have done. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. After his death, story surfaced that he had been framed by his superior officer. There you go. as uh, Jesse Cardoza. And strange paranormal events began happening at his gravesite. People left rocks on his grave, which were subsequently tied to miraculous events. There were reports of strange voices and blood seeping up from the grave. Two shrines were created for him, and he's been closely associated with protecting people crossing or trafficking others across the border between Mexico and the United States. Hmm. Juan the Soldier. Santa Muerte's presence at crime scenes is often difficult to connect with the saint directly. In Ciudad Juarez, in December 2009, people found an apparent altar and the spray-painted words Santa Muerte and Cuidanos Flaquita. Cuidanos Flaquita? Like, like they take care of us, uh, skinny one. Skinny one. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was, it was in the, in this, on this crime scene. The next month, in the same city, police discovered a victim burned behind a house that contained an altar to Santa Muerte. So these these are more direct. Uh, so these are indirect ties to Santa Muerte. Those weird words in the crime scenes, but there are more direct ties mm. in with for some criminals. Um, so I'm talking about Daniel Arismendi Arismendi Lopez, also known as the Ear Chopper, police officer in Morelos, who was responsible for kidnapping 18 victims in Mexico, collecting over 40 million dollars in ransom. He got his grim nickname from his habit of chopping off their ears and mailing them to family members. Lopez played a significant role in popularizing the connection between Santa Muerte and crime. When he was arrested in 1998, an altar to Santa Muerte was found in his home, and police allowed him to bring a Santa Muerte figure with him to prison. A car thief in Tepito was arrested in 2004. He claimed to have killed babies and virgins to offer to Santa Muerte. Similarly, in 2008, members of the Gulf Cartel brought Sinaloa Cartel members to a Santa Muerte shrine to murder them. So, more direct ties to Santa Muerte. So, some are indirect, some are more direct. Hmm. In both the Virgin of Guadalupe and less directly Santa Muerte, we can see Mexico's pagan culture bubbling under the surface of its Christian religiosity, like the pagan greenery in Christian homes at Christmas or Easter eggs scattered across the lawn to mark the advent of spring. When Europeans, mostly Spaniards, arrived in the Caribbean, and the Caribbean and the Aztec Empire, they were struck by the indigenous people's nakedness. In Europe, people rarely bathed and almost never took their clothes off for any circumstance. The mostly Spanish colonizers regarded the native people as exotic and appealing, and so began what has since been called the sexual conquest of the Americas. While many native Mexican and Taino people died from forced labor, disease, and warfare, many also became the mothers of a mestizo bloodline that would last to the present day. In this way, contemporary Mexicans like Alan have remained linked to their pagan ancestors across the generations, 
and those links have persisted in their culture as well, often in ways that are difficult to define. These are the vague notes of pagan belief in the Dias de los Muertos, for example, although no scholar can definitively tie one to the other. In the same way, paganism whispers softly under the prayers to the Virgin of Guadalupe and Santa Muerte, too quiet to identify, but nevertheless unmistakable in its presence. Final thoughts, Ellen and Savannah. Uh, no, it's it's very crazy because like I think when I was younger, I would if, if if I saw one of those, I would absolutely think of like oh they're like devil worshippers, you know. But yeah. but as I as I grew up and I understood religion more and 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 you know spiritualism, I think I I've started to appreciate you know like the the faith that people put in 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 these figures. Um, Mexico is is a very uh, special country, you know, it's, it, it, Mexico is, is very diverse. It, it, it's home to a lot of industries. Uh, so there's like a lot of money to be made, but, but the people are not benefiting from that, you know, the, so, yeah. so they, they, they always have to find a way to, 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 to make a living. And a lot of people end up turning to, you know, dangerous activities. Uh, and, um, and, and and I understand why, you know, I, I it's that there's no other way, you know, even cops are corrupt because like and, and that 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 is very known. Like it, corruption is, is is everywhere. So 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 people who are at the bottom have to find a way. And 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 I don't know when 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 everything else feels like it's a sham. I think you 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 flock to to something that maybe. Maybe I have mystic powers and and stuff uh, and like 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 you talked about like it's this statute that kind of like charges up with your with your energy with with your faith with your prayers, um, and I think uh, all that is is very important in Mexico having having all that faith you know uh, mm -hmm. in order to survive it's 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 a it's a wild it's a wild country it's a beautiful country but but the way it's a structure it's made it so that people at the bottom don't don't go up and mm. so you have to find your way and la santa muerte is there to protect those people you know like i don't i don't think if you were doing things like that i don't think maybe the your, your catholic saints or or the, their version of god would would help you you know like if if you were to go to to a priest and tell him what you've done, you he I don't know he he wouldn't be understanding, you know. But if you talk to something, someone who is there, who is more understanding, I I think, yeah, I think that's why it's more it's grown in popularity over the past few decades. Santa Muerte offers that comfort. Yeah. yeah. Where did they get the idea? I mean, if it's true that, like, sacrificing babies and virgins and stuff like that to her is a good idea. Yeah, you make it up yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, these are individuals, you know, you can... If you find a god, you find a religion, you can find a person who has distorted it to the point that they're doing something horrific, you know. So Fair enough. In this yep. case, I think... Santa Muerte certainly, you know, as, as we're saying at the end here, has a lot of associations with the criminal element but i mm -hmm. think alan's right to point out that these are people in difficult circumstances yeah uh and it's we shouldn't be looking down our nose and saying ah santa muerte is this and that no, santa definitely. muerte is, is a relationship i guess with uh the people who are just trying to get by any yeah. way they can difficult circumstances yeah and yeah if you're like you're delusional enough you you'll probably do crazy things like i just 
heard of this documentary of this doctor who fertility doctor who was impregnating all these people oh, the uh, our father one yay, yeah yeah, yeah. One. that's so crazy <laughs> and he did it out of like a faith in religion right he yeah yeah it was like he he wanted to keep his family line going or something like that it, because his religion was like you're so important or something it was really weird like yeah he drew it like it was like a like a paragraph from like the bible or something right that yeah he, was like, he took that as a sign that that he was in that profession to to spread his blood and i Blech. think that's disgusting it's fucked up oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah like if you're delusional enough you know you'll do crazy things i think we wanted to draw a line certainly when we're talking about when alan's talking about and i'm talking about people in difficult circumstances who are trying to survive that's very different from people who go out of their way to murder babies and yeah. things it's, no yeah there's a definitely a line there so one form of santa muerte worship i, I think is understandable the other one is is a distortion yeah yeah and uh and, and before we roll out uh, i want to tell a story that, that uh of a friend um he uh so they're from guatemala and and his mom had a brother who was an alcoholic mm -hmm. um he died in his adulthood but he was when he was young he would go out and party and all that and this is at a time when in guatemala there wasn't a lot of like development no roads you know, street lights, uh, a lot of uh, trees, um, so the, not much development. So he would go out and party, and he would be taken home by a mysterious creature, like like some some. Uh, they they believed it was La Llorona. Oh, mm. I don't think it was crying, La Llorona. The crying lady. Yeah, the crying lady. Yeah. Uh, Wouldn't she kill him? She's I, I, not really a protector, right? Um, uh, there's also uh, some people think she's if you if you speak bad to her, like she'll kill you. Oh. Like, like there's that belief and all that. But if you if you come across her, the thing is you ignore her and you go on your way and she won't bother you. Oh, uh, but apparently, so so this multiple times he he would get drunk in the city and then someone would drop him off, make like like. A loud crying, like echoey, deep scream, and and the door would bang, and there he'd be outside, like like almost passed out, like Whoa. from drinking, and uh, but but I think that may have been La Santa Muerte, you know, protecting him and taking him home. Uh, I think his family probably didn't understand, or maybe they didn't know he might have been worshiping. La Santa Muerte, you know, because like at the time it would be something that you keep to yourself. Yeah. Um, and so and 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 so yeah, that that happened multiple times, and that story has is told amongst the family members, and I was lucky enough to be at a function when I got and I got to hear it, and uh, it's 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 wild, you know, like, it's like yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Yeah. All right, Savannah, we're not gonna top that. Bring us on home. I hereby adjourn and declare close this meeting of alchemical actors until such a time as we get together and do it again. 
thanks again to Alan for joining us. Alan, this was excellent. I think we need to have you back, right, Savannah? Yeah. Yeah. This was fun. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm yeah. so excited. I, I I always look up to you all. So being here, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a little starstruck being here. Uh, so on. so I, I really on. I really appreciate you uh, guys wanting me back. Uh, you guys are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Dr. Rob C. Thompson, joined by Savannah Verrett, sister of the 84th degree. I, of course, am your supreme hierophant. Savannah, tell the good people bye-bye. Goodbye, everybody. Next time here on A Call Confessions, we are going to be moving on, moving on from our Pagans and Persecution series into our Dangerous Cults series. Oh. <laughs> yes. That sounds fun, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, we get a lot of requests for people to talk about these uh, dangerous so, cults. So uh, are we going to talk about, like, like Jim Jones and all that stuff? And, no, no, there's so much on Jim Jones. Uh, I'm interested in cults that intentionally harm people, though. So I'm going to leave Jim Jones be just because you can listen to 500 podcast no, episodes yeah. on Jim Jones. But we're going to do I'm Ruin Shinrikyo. We're going to do uh, Falun Gong, which I don't believe actually was, is a dangerous cult. But the Chinese government believes they're a dangerous oh. cult. Uh, we're going to talk about Nation of Islam and Malcolm X and how he was killed. Um, so we're going to do some interesting topics. We're going to start uh, with an episode that's a little bit more theoretical on cult brainwashing mm. uh, that I promise will keep everyone riveted while I disprove the notion that you can be brainwashed, period. Uh, but well, he's only to. saying that to cover himself. As I <laughs> We've all been brainwashed all the by him. Actors, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so join us for brainwashing next time here on Occult Confessions. That was great, Alan. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to wear my shades because I broke my regular glasses and these have prescriptions. Yeah, <laughs> I can see with these. <laughs> it is kind of bright in here, though. Want <laughs> me to turn the lights out? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. That would be weird. Hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> in this storage room. In the dark. With these microphones in the dark. With this man in sunglasses. <laughs> happening i don't know what the guess would be or what is happening but it's something okay do you know the opener we did it last time